So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a couple of Proverbs. And the passage today is a short passage. It's uh, out of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Just went through a lot of trouble to break down the screen that we're going to use for a second and send it back up. But, uh, but it's uh, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. It's the word of God for all people. As you know, but you may not think much about life, is a series of choices. We make choices about all kinds of things. We're constantly faced with ways that seem right and the right way. It's part of living our life. Our choices have consequences. We are free to make, hear this, you and I are free to make any choice we want, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices, whatever they might be. And so each of our choices that we make have consequences. Some of those, then the wrong way leads to death, and the right way leads to life. And so we're going to look at that this morning. See, in life we need periodic course checks. We need to see where we are and evaluate where, where am I in my journey that God would have me to be on. Are we on the right way? The right way. Are we, marked, uh, are we on the race marked out for us? Or am I letting the world dictate to me where I'm supposed to be? There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. As Christians... We are to be countercultural. We are not to be swayed by the culture that we live in. We are to stand firm in our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. To walk firmly in that faith no matter what's going on in our world and around us. Don't mishear me. We are not anti-cultural. We are counter-cultural. We are to be in the world. We are to be a part of the world. We don't pull ourselves out of the world and live over here off to the side. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are to live counter to the way that the world would have us live. So I want to spend a little bit of time this morning just in this one short proverb talking about four different, for those of you who like to make notes, there's four write-downs. A way versus the way will be the first one. The second one would be what is the seeming right versus the right way. The third one is ways have end. And the last is death versus life. Those are the four areas that we're going to spend a little bit of time in. So the first one is a way versus the way. There is a way that appears to be right. There is a way that appears to be right. That what we're talking about is the definite versus the indefinite. We face forks in the road all the time in our life. We're going along and we hit a point and we go, do I go over here or do I go over here? God, God says go over here. But if I do that, the consequences of that are I might lose my security, my financial security. I might have to change jobs. I might have to do something that takes me away from, from, from comfort in this world. The way, a way. Many choices, many ways. But the Bible tells us that there is only one right and true way. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
comes to the Father except through me. The way. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Now, in our world today, in our culture today, there's the, the popular theology of the day would say that all, all roads lead to God, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different paths, but they all lead to one destiny. They all lead to, to God, whatever God is. Jesus tells us that there's only one road, that there's only one path. It is the way. He also says in Matthew 7, Enter through the narrow gate. This is verse 13. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. One of the great challenges for us in this evaluative process as Christians, where am I on this road? Have I turned? Have I turned from where God has called me to be, or am I on the path that God would have me to be on? Have I chosen the wide road because it's easier, or, have, or am I sticking to the small road even though it's hard? Where am I on this path? See, the true way is not a multi-lane highway. You know, where you've got all these different paths and, and they go all these different places. It's actually a narrow road. We were blessed on our 10-year anniversary to get to go to Rome. And, and if, if you've never been, maybe you've been to a place like this. See, in Rome, the, the roads are so narrow. The streets, they're roads too. But they, you know, they drive those little dinky carts. You know, the ones that are about that big. So they can fit down those, those little narrow roads. But it's the coolest thing because you'd be walking down this narrow road and you'd come to this opening. They're called piazzas, not pizzas. <laughs> and in the middle of these piazzas, you might find uh, this, the, the fountain of Neptune. You know, these awesome sculptures and these awesome buildings in the center of the piazza. And it's by following the narrow path, we end up in a wondrous place. But you have to be willing to go down some narrow, sometimes dangerous roads in order to experience the beauty and the glory of what's before us. Now, in our culture, they say, always lead to God, and, and you know, it feels good to do it. You know, take, just do what you want to do. That's not really the, the way for the Christian. We turn our life and our will over the care of God. And we follow the path that He has set out for us. And it can sometimes be a difficult path. In fact, it's usually the more difficult path. But it's our path. It's what we're called to. So we don't go down a way. We follow the way. There is a way that appears to be right. It seems to be right. Looks like it might be okay. Looks like it might get me where I want to go. But it's not the right way. The seeming right versus the right way. Now, us in our fallen state, and it's the only state that we know, right? Because we were born into it. We, we didn't get to be 
created that Adam were in the image of God, but we didn't get to experience what Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman, got to experience that purity of relationship with God, that purity before the fall. Us in our state, without God's help, struggle to discern the right way. We have this flesh versus spirit thing going on inside of us all the time. It's trying to pull us. You know, the spirit side of us wants us to do the right thing, and the flesh side of us says, ah, let's go have some fun over here and do this. And so there's this constant back and forth. Fallen humanity cannot discern the right way in and of ourselves. We need objectivity to know that way. The great news is that God has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, sent the Holy Spirit to help us. But this is a struggle for us. Of course, it always has been a struggle for us. Eve is a great example of that. Even, even she, in that first, in that beginning state, failed to make the right choice. And Eve is not just the woman. She represents both. You know that, right? That men don't have it all together either. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I'd get an amen out of somebody. <laughs> but it seemed to be okay, right? There's this tree, of, the knowledge of, of good and evil, and, and yeah, God said don't eat out of it, but I mean, it's, it's, we get to eat out of all the other trees. We should be able to eat out of that tree. It won't be that big of a deal. You know, and Satan's over there going, yeah. Appeal to lust of flesh and pride. That's a human thing. Seemed right, led to death. Cain, Cain and Abel. See, Cain he brought in the best of the fruit of his as crops, and he brought them in as, as the offering to God. It seemed like the right thing. It seems like it ought to be okay. But Abel's offering is what was on it. Babel. Seems like a good idea to get together and, and build this tower to honor, reach God, honor God, do all these things. We ought to be, you know, it's, it's a good thing, right? No. Scattered. Abraham. Well, I'm 90-something years old and I don't have a kid yet. I don't know about this promise about being the father of all the nations. Maybe I need to meet up with Hagar. Have a kid. Because Sarah's too old. And now we have Isaac and Ishmael. Who are still in each other's throne. Jews and Arabs. Ananias and Sapphira, we move into the New Testament. So they, they brought in a part of what they had made and they just held back some money. Now they did pretend to give the whole amount. They died. Not because they didn't give, but because they pretended and they lied. <coughs> See, there's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. There is one right way, and it runs counter to the culture that we find ourselves in. And all ways lead somewhere. They all lead to an end. Stephen Covey in Seven Habits of Successful People said that we must begin with the end in mind. If we begin and we don't know where we're going, you know where we're going to get. Lost. The flesh doesn't think long term. The flesh is all about this moment, about the right now. 
doesn't have a vision for the end and consequences of, of, of that. It's more wrapped up in immediate gratification. And that is what our culture says is the right thing to do. What's in it for me? What's in it for me right now? Doesn't see long term. We as Christians, though, we have a whole different perspective. We see from an eternal perspective. It's a long term perspective. It's not about immediate gratification. It's about what's in it for the long term. Not just the right now, but in the, in the soon to come. Always have an end to this. We get to choose. The beauty of God. Gave us free will, said, choose. So we get to choose death versus life. I always find it interesting. Why would a good God send people to hell? God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. People send themselves to hell. Through the choices that we make. If we reject God, we choose death. If we choose death, we choose eternal separation from God and hell. It's our choice. God doesn't want you to make that choice, but he loves you enough to leave you with it. Death versus life. Versus life. There is a seeming right way, but it leads to death. Galatians chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, the broad road where we started this morning is, is sowing to the flesh. It's sowing to the many paths that the world would tell us to, to sow to, to follow. The narrow road is sowing to the Spirit. Read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You want to see the fruit of the Spirit. Sow to those things. How are we doing with that? Am I sowing love in my world? Or am I, am I sowing hate? Am I sowing grace? Am I giving people the freedom to, to be who they are in the midst of knowing that God would have something better for them? But I, for, for me to let them be who they are and trust that through the interaction and relationship that we're able to build, I will have an opportunity to show God to them. Or am I judging them and telling them who, what they need to do and who they need to be? and alienating them and pushing them away before they ever have a chance to experience the grace of God. What am I doing? Who am I? I love that God's grace has been extended to me because I don't deserve it. I deserve God's judgment. And he shows me grace. Ought I not be able to do the same to all people? All people. Wherever they come from, whoever they are. You want to be the light of Christ? Live that. Choose life. See, to choose life is to choose this right way. It's the way of faith. What does it look like? It looks like faith. A few weeks ago on Easter, we talked about it. As Christians, we, we don't... See and then believe. We believe and then we see. God shows us after we profess our faith and we go, I believe and I'm going to follow you. And he says, good, because i got some good stuff for you. Walk with me. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us very clearly what faith is. Confidence in what we hope for. 
and assurance in what we do not yet see. Think about how crazy that is. Be confident in what we hope for. What? Our assurance is in something that we don't see yet? Completely opposite from what the world's going to try to get you to believe and me to believe. Runs counter to, to those things. But it is the way of life, it's the way of faith. The way of being led by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, who lives in each of us. We are the temple. This is a great building, but we are the temple of God. Everywhere that we go, we are God's example to the world. It is us who God is going to work through. We honor this place as, as, a, as a sanctuary, but you're the sanctuary of God. Honor Him everywhere that you go. This isn't a just here kind of thing. Live your life in such a way, not just in the church, but outside of the church so that folks see God in you. I try to do the same. It's not just a here thing, it's an everywhere thing. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Romans 8, 14 through 17. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Let go of this obsession with the law and legalism and rigid stuff. Let go of that. Because when the Holy Spirit of God enters into us and we begin to walk that path, He will lead you on the right path. He will guide you. Our our scripture is powerful and important and necessary for us as we try to discern, okay, where am I on this path? Well, God's word is going to help us align with that, but we never beat people over the head with the Bible. It just pushes them away and we don't want to do that. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we embrace this, this idea of suffering, this idea of sacrifice. This is what we embrace as Christians. It's not just feel good, it's not just love of God, isn't that great, I can do whatever I want. That's not the way that it, that's not the way that it ends up being. You can come however you are and then God is going to work in your heart and draw you near to Him. His Spirit is going to move in you and you're going to change and you're going to change and you're going to be transformed from glory to glory to glory. You're going to become a new creation and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. That's who God is. That's what He wants for you and for me. When we choose life, we choose this way of the cross. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit yourself? Sacrificial. This is completely countercultural. You mean I'm supposed to put other people in front of me? Yes. I'm supposed to. So I'm supposed to put myself in a, in, the, in the servant position. Yes. Yes. When we judge others, by the way, what is that about for you and for me? I find for me, it's me trying to elevate myself, trying to make myself better than somebody else. You know what? I'm not. But for the grace of God, I walk in your shoes, their shoes, my wherever the shoes are but for the grace of God. Uh, this way of the cross, this way of life is a sacrificial living. Take up your cross daily. 
follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. You willing to give up everything in your life for him? You willing to throw it all away if he tells you to? That's a tough question, huh? Choose life, choose the way of the cross. Choose to run the race, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, see, when we walk this way, we surround ourselves with a cloud of witnesses that are from God himself. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, amen, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. This one little sentence in the Bible just touches my heart. For the joy set before him, Jesus saw what, what was out in front of him, and he saw that he was going to save us. He's going to save you and save me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He knew what was coming, and he did it anyway. Just for us. Just for you. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary in his heart. Choosing the way of life is to choose to persevere in the face of a world that's not going to like you for it. It's going to tell you that you don't need to do that. You don't need to follow. You, know, you don't need to try to get to be perfect. You don't need to try to follow Christ in that way. You don't need to be a servant leader. You just do what you want to do. Make your best way. And what we do as Christians is that we choose to stand firm and we choose to follow Christ. We choose to, to follow this one way, the way of the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through, through Jesus and we follow that. We don't walk alone. God gives us so many tools to discern his will for us. He gives us his, his word, which you know, one of our commitments as a mark of discipleship is to be in the word daily. Please do that. Gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to discern both the word and our actions. You ever have that nudging that says you ought not to do that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit trying to bump you off of something that you ought not to do. Lives in us, tries to guide us, will, will guide us. But we don't do it just through the, the Bible or, 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 or the Holy Spirit either. We have one another to learn from to be challenged by, to be held accountable to. And sometimes life circumstances will tell us what we need to do. All of these things work together to help us define and discern the will of God. We have to remain aware of them and pay attention. And every once in a while we need to take a moment like I hope you do this afternoon and go, where am I really? Where am I really? Am I on a way that seems right but leads to death or am I on the way regardless of how hard it is? Christianity is and will always be countercultural. It will always be in, against 
the culture that we find ourselves in. I'm so glad for, you know, I'm not a political guy, you know, because every time I seem to say something political, conservatives hear me as liberals, and liberals hear me as conservatives. So I don't know what to do about that. And, uh, but I'm grateful that Governor Deal did not sign the religious freedom thing, and I'll tell you why, because that should be my choice as a pastor. If I, if, 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 if I'm going to be the one that has to do, make that decision, I don't need the government, I don't need Caesar to try to tell me how I need to behave as a pastor. make that determination and if it costs me my ordination I will give up my ordination rather than violate what God has called me to do I'm okay with that but that's not up to the state that's up to me guess what same thing goes for you and your world sometimes it requires sacrifice for us to live our lives as a Christian I'm okay with that I'm okay with that so are you a countercultural Christian or are you a cultural Christian? Lord knows we've got enough of them in the world today. That's the question. That's my challenge for you today. Is to evaluate. Am, I, am I running counter? Am I following the teachings of Christ? He turned everything upside down and said, be a servant leader? Be sacrificial? Or am I being a cultural Christian and going, well, you know, I'm going to look at it from my perspective first and not God's. Do I love people where they are as they are? Then try to work with them to bring them near to, to, to where God would have them? Where am I? Do I show grace that's been given to me to other people no matter what? So that I can build a relationship with somebody and then I can have a, have a tough conversation with them? Just me and them instead of standing outside and standing on the street corner and hollering? Do I trust God? to be the change of a person's heart. Once in a while, we've got to take some time. We've got to evaluate where each of us are. And guess what? I can't evaluate that for you. You have to do it, and I have to evaluate for me. Make the choice to follow the way. Jesus Christ. Whatever it costs. Whatever it costs.